0: You're listening to Episode 3 of Mental, the podcast. I'm Sarah Norton. I'm here in New Orleans. The Crescent City, the Big Easy. New Orleans, Louisiana. We're just off Jackson Square in the French Quarter. And I can smell the beignets from Cafe Du Monde and the cafe au I can see the whitewashed walls of St. Louis Cathedral and the Tabasco is still burning my lips from the jambalaya I had earlier. The last time we were here was on our honeymoon, before I was pregnant, before I had a kid. I was different back then. They say your brain changes when you have children, and you never quite go back to how you were. I think that's true. Your mind is different, and your heart. But this city hasn't changed. It's strange, though. A couple hours ago, I was talking to this random woman for just a minute in our hotel pool, and I asked her about her children. They're adults now, so she's probably 50, and she told me she'd had postpartum depression after they were born. I don't know why she told me that, I didn't ask. I guess maybe I have a sign on me now saying, talk to me about postpartum. After she told me, I asked her, so did you get any help or treatment? She said no. At that time, There was nothing for me. When women close to me have told me about their experiences with postpartum depression, I'm surprised by what they tell me, but I'm not surprised that they tell me. They're close to me, it makes sense. But when Lauren told me about her postpartum depression and anxiety, it was a shock. And not just because I barely knew her, but because she was the last person I'd expect to be struggling with this. Lauren looks a lot like Nancy from the show Stranger Things. I hope you get that reference. She's popular, she's beautiful, she has five kids and she just seems to have it all together. I met her in a mom's group, and although I was kind of intimidated by her, she was actually super warm and welcoming and made me laugh. She's really funny. When I started working on the podcast... Something made me think of her, so I just Facebook messaged her. I said, Lauren, I'm doing this podcast about postpartum depression and anxiety. Obviously, I have no idea if you've ever struggled with anything like that, and nothing makes me think that, but if you have had anything like postpartum depression and want to talk about it, I'd love to interview you. I sent the message and I thought, that was so stupid. She'll never get back to me. But she did get back to me. And the interview you're about to hear is the result of that message. I thought you should just hear it in its entirety. So there's no breaks for narration until the end. I want you to take Lauren's interview as it is. A complete story. Her story deserves that.
1: So... Here's Lauren.
0: What does your typical day look like?
1: Um, well, we've always been pretty poor. So we've had really small homes. We lived in a duplex. Um, and having twins at the beginning, we just I made it a point to always get up and go and need to get out of the house. I like taking my kids out in public or parks or museums or Target, Menards, anywhere. We just go places. Sometimes it's too hot in the house, I'm like, let's just get in the car, it's air-conditioned. But, I don't know, yeah, so that's the morning, or at school, I'm taking kids to school, um, and then lunch, and I, I've always had a napper. I still have a napper, and I nap every afternoon, which is key, and then the evening is chaotic and different. <laughs> and everyone goes to bed really early, because everybody gets up really early.
0: That's awesome to you. Right, so you're a stay-at-home mom then? Yeah. yeah that's yep. wonderful. Um, Okay, so you can go through each child and tell me basically how you were feeling after having um, each child that you've
1: had. Okay, so the twins were born at 27 weeks, and they were immediately whisked away to the NICU. Um, I was 23 years old and unmarried. I was with my husband, but we weren't married yet, and didn't really, like, I had no... I wasn't in anticipating the birth or... It was all kind of caught off guard, and having never had children before, I didn't know how scary it was to have a 27 week or two, um, so that was super intense, and they were, I, I just remember it being really chaotic and stressful all the time, and I stayed at the NICU for two months, I just went there every single day, and like pumped, and, and little things were like huge deals, and, but, I, but the, I thrive in that chaos, so I did okay. I did okay with that. <laughs> And how how about your consecutive children? Um, uh, so our third baby was born and the twins were two and a half. And I just remember this kid had like the shrillest cry. And I think he ended up, I think he had plugged ears because he ended up having ear tubes put in. So I don't think he could hear himself, but his cry was like this high-pitched squeal that was so awful. I mean, I would do anything to make him stop crying. Mm-hmm. And then not in a way where you kind of like let him cry a little bit and then attend to their needs. Like, it was just awful. And my husband couldn't handle two two two-and-a-half-year-olds. So, I mean, two, two-and-a-half-year-olds is a lot of work, and I was pretty good at that. So I, that baby I had and pretty much handed off to my husband. And I didn't even nurse him for very long. I think it was like six weeks. And he was, he was tricky. And then the fourth, the fourth baby was born. And that was the first time I probably had the um, postpartum depression. All of my kids were home. No one was in preschool yet. I had four under four, and it was this winter in Minnesota that was like, it was snowy, snowy, and then like thirty below, and then thirty below, and then super snowy, and, then, and we couldn't even leave the house. Like there it wasn't play outside snow and everyone was too little and too much gear and it was just really long and awful that one was yeah that was a tough winner and then the last one um he was an easy baby though so my mental health wasn't great but the but he fit right into the mix so and I have four kids, and I'm like, this isn't too hard. Number four just kind of like went with the flow, and then so let's have another because I need chaos <laughs> for things to feel normal. <laughs> and the, fourth, or the fifth baby was just like pretty intense. That was a whole new level of chaos. Okay. Um,
0: so you're doing this interview because postpartum depression, anxiety was part of your life. So exactly when did it become apparent to you that you were struggling with postpartum depression and or anxiety? What was like some of the first moments that you've realized that you were?
1: So I think it was after the fourth baby. That was when, um, so I have a history of addiction and alcoholism that I've had treatment for when I was younger, before I had kids. Uh, and that reappeared after baby number four as a means to deal with stress and anxiety and unfortunately it's super common for a lot of people who relax at the end of the day with a drink and a lot of people can do that normally and I'm just not one of those people Um, and when that happened immediately it makes the next day worse Um, and I and I know enough about myself to know, I know that this is never going to go away. And so when I'm when I'm getting to that point where alcohol or or drugs is like my outlet for anxiety, then something has gone wrong way in the past, or something's a little haywire. So my quick fix too is usually caffeine, sugar, exercise. so That helps. But um, but that it's really hard, that having that component of my health history. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so you said that you had alcoholism or struggled with it. Um, before you had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, how like soon before you had kids did you struggle with that, or like when when did that start appearing in your life? And I guess how did it manifest itself? I mean, I I know about alcohol is but yeah just can you just talk to me more about it yeah yeah
1: um so that I probably went down that path at 14 okay. um, and I looked a lot like a typical high schooler that partied and college student that partied but I knew it was more than what was normal um I have a family history of addiction issues and people getting sober and having long periods of sobriety so I'm grateful that at 22 when I knew that my life was kind of unraveling that was the first time I turned to my mom who's sober and asked her like I think I have a problem or actually you know what's really funny is I went to a priest and I was like I hope I have this problem I'm like Really struggling, my life's out of control, and I wanted him to give me a couple of. This is before I had a reversion to the faith. I wanted him to like give me a couple of hail marys, some like holy water, and be like, "Okay, now you're good." And he was he, he was like, "You know, they have they have twelve step groups for people with problems like this." And mm-hmm. I was like, "No, that's not what I wanted to hear." <laughs> so, so that was that was where I um I moved to, or I went to treatment in Minnesota, and the recommendation was to do sober living here, um, which was a better alternative than moving back to Iowa and I stayed here and here's where my I met my husband and now I'm now I'm stuck in St. Paul I'll never leave (laughs) my feet are frozen to the ground yep
0: sorry that sounded really St. Paul when you said my feet are frozen to the ground oh I know
1: (laughs) my friends from college say that I have a really thick Minnesota accent now I didn't I didn't before and now I do so yeah
0: off. Okay. Okay. So, anxiety and depression after your fourth is is yep. what you're saying.
1: So my depression is, yeah. and this is why I, I don't always recognize it because it's not it's not like a heavy sadness mm-hmm. or I, I guess I don't know. I have like a stereotypical. I think of that sadness character from. What's that movie with oh, the it's, emotions? It's
0: inside Out. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what I think depression's yeah. supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, But for me, it's more of like a nothing. I feel nothing, and I'm just really going through the motions and just getting through the day. And I don't feel happy or sad. It's a, I feel stuck. It's more of like a stuck thing. But my anxiety is the huge. It's constant. The constant chatter in my head, the train, like the crazy train about like future and. You know, now that I have kids, I worry about my kids all the time. Like, pretty much everything I'm gonna do is gonna ruin my kids for some reason or another. Like, every decision I have to make is for the, you know, like, the benefit of them, or maybe I should go back to college, or maybe I should do the, maybe I should, you know, buy new chairs for the living room, or, and just I'm constantly, like, entertaining this crazy train, and it's hard to be present and not get worked up about that stuff. And unfortunately, alcohol would really Quiet that down. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing is that it worked yeah. <laughs> it would work until it yeah. didn't work anymore. Yeah. But
0: how long, how long um, did um, you um, drink after? After you realized like your um, the alcoholism was coming back, like how long um, did it take for you to get better um, from that point? Um, like or at least stop drinking.
1: A, a, while. a while. Well, it, there was chunks. Yeah. I can put together chunks yeah. of not drinking. Um, and that was when, you know, enough to, like, get through another pregnancy and pretty much after the fifth baby was born. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about insane. I would, I could figure out, I knew the math behind, like, alcohol and how much your body would, like, burn it off and mm-hmm. how much would get in your breast milk and, like, pumping and dumping and formula feeding, and it was, like, in addition to having four other children, and anxiety and depression. I mean, it is, like, utter insanity, Mm -hmm. um, and the whole time, like, really, A, trying to, like, hide everything from kids, so keeping it at an off hours, and then presenting myself a certain way every day so that no one knows how utterly insane I am. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. How, um, how many people, or, I guess... Who, who knows or like what or like how how many people have you told I mean you're telling people now like yeah via this podcast yeah like h- who has helped you with it and everything yeah,
1: yeah so that's always a weird yeah. because it's Im- it's important to be honest about who we really are with people and I struggle with I struggle with that in the sense that I don't want to overshare with people I don't know that well and it's it is kind of like a personal health thing Mm -hmm. but also it's like a huge piece of my life that is really I mean it really took me down it really beat me down and the people that helped me are I was girlfriends from church honestly Mm -hmm. I have friends in uh, like the AA community I have a lot of friends from um, just being in St. Paul for that reason but the my friends my girlfriends from church are the ones that have like not only stepped in and been there time and time again helped with kids brought meals those kinds of things um so that's it's just a special group Mm -hmm. and there's you know it's i call it our rosary group there's um a couple of the gals that understand addiction either have it or have a family member Mm -hmm. so not everyone is totally like just stop you know like i'd love to just stop but Yeah, I um,
0: yeah my uh my family, um, a lot of them have gone through AA, and yeah you know recovering um, from alcoholism and everything like that, and I can also like, I'm thankful that you're telling me this now because it's easy for me to like see in myself how I could like easily like go down that that path because mm-hmm. yeah it's just like. I'm just, like, really thankful that you're telling me this and everyone this because a lot of people, like, don't, don't, like, think that could happen even to, to, like, a mom or, like, a Catholic mom. That's,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard part. And it's, um, like, being a woman that has a problem, especially a mother, is, Mm -hmm. it's, there's so much shame. There are not a lot of moms in recovery. There just aren't. They're either... Um, moms that suffer with a, addiction and alcoholism either are still suffering or muscling through it and not getting treatment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, going to meetings because that kind of commitment is really hard to juggle with kids mm-hmm. and a husband, and it's just it's a lot. Did um, for uh, alcoholism, you went
0: through AA for postpartum depression, anxiety, did you
1: take any medication or go to counseling for that as well? I did. So yeah. I um I took I didn't I think I took everything almost after every baby. I knew mm-hmm. I knew from the jump that I was a candidate for postpartum and so I was always put on Zoloft or something that was okay with nursing, but it didn't work necessarily. And I've tried a lot of different um, drugs to that are prescribed by a doctor to work, and um, I've finally gotten on something. It's like Effexor. I think it's oh. off brand Effexor, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty high dose that I'm on now. But it's totally helped. Um, but also you you like can't drink when you take those. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. if I'm drinking, then they don't work, and then that's kind of
0: yeah. defeats
1: the purpose. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. so and then after the fifth baby was born um my anxiety was so bad i this is when i got a prescription to Xanax and that also really helps with anxiety but okay. i have a problem with drugs and alcohol so i didn't take okay. it as a, as prescribed
2: okay.
1: and that didn't work out so well for me either <laughs> wow. sorry to chuckle i laugh yeah. cuz i'm so
2: uncomfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's sorry tr- i'm laughing that's I'm the truth <laughs>
1: And Xanax is really, I mean, it's like pill alcohol. It's pretty much, it reacts chemically in your brain, I think, the same way that alcohol does. Okay. So it really shut off the crazy train for me. But because it wasn't alcohol, I was kind of like, I can take this all day. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not drinking. Yeah,
0: yeah. Are, are you so, you aren't nursing, so that's definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't nursing. He's getting older. Yeah. Um, so would you, I don't know if this question or if you can pinpoint a time, but I always ask the question, like, what was rock bottom for you mm-hmm. as a mom and like having all these things happening?
1: Um, well, I got to a point and it was, it was back in March that I could feel, I could feel like myself I always think of, like, one of those guys who's spinning plates on his, like, feet and his hands or, like, basketballs or something. Like, that's what I felt like. And I told my husband, I'm like, this is going to crash. This is going to crash and burn. This is all going to go. Like, I, I'm, like, being held together by a thread. Um, and it did. But it wasn't it wasn't me. And I, I actually, in regards to my addiction, too, I, I knew. I'm always so... Like, one of, the, one of the ways that you combat addictive thoughts is by constantly trying to do God's will. And now in 12-step groups, there's a lot of people that have a problem with a higher concept or just, it's not even within the realm of their ability to grasp, which is where I was at one point. Um, it, it brought me back to my Catholic faith. It's I'm, I'm a classic revert to the faith. I raised Catholic, but kind of, thought it was a f- bunch of fooey, and and then, until I needed it, until, you know, I needed God, really, so anyway, there's, I have a real sense of, like, when I'm connected with God, um, and when I'm not, and I was, it's almost like I was hiding, like, living under, like, a little shade, or, like, an umbrella, kind of, because I knew I was just, like, within my own crap, really, just sitting in my own crap, and, like, not, it's just so hard to, like, turn to the Lord and like open up Mm -hmm. so I'd have these little moments where I would it was like clarity and I knew I was like please God please please get addiction out of my house please help me help my family and and then like nothing and then please God please you know and then you know a couple months go by and I know that that is the answer and I'm getting no response and it was um it was really hard and then I at that point felt like Well, it's probably God's will for me to be this horrible, alcoholic, drug addict mom who's going to ruin all these lives and maybe something somewhere good is going to come from it. Down, I mean, that's how bad Mm -hmm. I was. Like, I thought there was no hope. In Meantime, this is like what I'm entertaining in my head. Um, And I'm Susie Sunshine. Like, I always have my hair done. I was like obsessively working out. And... You know my kids are always matching, and we're at church on Sunday, and everybody sits still. Damn it, or mm-hmm. mom's gonna lose it, kind mm-hmm. of a thing, which is like super stressful. Um, so yeah, it was a that was a really low point. Uh, the other thing I was gonna mention too is like, um, you had asked, have you um, like thought about like hurting your kids? Like for me, it's myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a history – I used to cut, like, self-mutilate in high school a long time ago. And I have bad scars from it. And I'm, like, so vain that I wouldn't do that again. Mm -hmm. But I get that feeling (laughs) that, like, I'm so overwhelmed with, like, a crying kid and all this, you know, where my kids are going to go to high school. They're not even there. You know, like, all this stuff in my head that my immediate thought is that I want to bash my head into a wall. Like, this is going to – get rid of the pain kind of a thing. And that that was something I told my doctor, because I, I know it was, like, that's a self-injury kind of thought mm-hmm. that I wouldn't act on because I'm <laughs> just too vain to do it. But I was like, this is, this is not good. And I think that was when I got the, the Xanax prescription, which worked and took away that feeling, but then didn't work until, so anyway. Um, all of a sudden God decided to answer my prayer in the form of my husband's addiction that had manifested as well that I didn't realize my husband and I had met each other in 12 uh, step groups and he had, um, he OD'd on heroin in our house and I didn't even realize that somebody was capable of getting that or, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. just a real, it's that same picture of like what you think a person, I don't know. I thought it was pain meds. Um, So I found him unconscious in purple in our bed on a school night. Yeah. And I was terrified, and I called the police, and they took him to the hospital, and he survived. And the next day, our family stepped in and was like, you guys are going to treatment. This is insane. And I was like, thank the Lord. Like, who would take five children who, how, and nobody would believe me, and I couldn't leave him with my husband. And it was, like, so cha- chaotic and stressful, and I didn't know, like, how I was ever going to get out of the predicament I would gotten in. And that, that was the answer, which is so funny how God doesn't answer my prayer how I want him to, or mm-hmm. I have, like, a good timeline for him. You should read my notes sometimes. Mm-hmm. But instead it was like, here, how about this horrible thing happens to your husband, and then, and then all your family, which it's, that's what it took. It was a catastrophic event. Both of our families then became aware to what the situation and stepped in, um, and I was really grateful. That's a lot of stuff, isn't that heavy?
0: That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. So was I was. Is that all in March? Yeah. Wow.
1: So I, my mom said, you're going to treatment. And I like broke down and started crying. I was like, are you serious? I get to go. I was so excited. I couldn't even stand it. Like, because <laughs> I knew it was the only thing I knew I'd gotten so bad. That it was the only thing that was going to help me. I had to be physically removed from my situation. Um, and given my, given a chance to, cause I, I've been trying to stop on my own and I can put a little bit of time together, but not a lot. And so I went, I went to Hazelden for mm-hmm. six weeks and it was, I mean, it was hard to not be with my kids, but I got three meals a day and eight hours of solid sleep, and it was amazing. <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. Um, wow. How How are your? Uh, I mean, I guess you're always thinking about your kids. Obviously, yeah. You're just like. Just love them so much, but do they know, like a, a little bit? Yeah. You, like, so
1: that's they, yeah. That's the the tricky part, and also, of course, it's one more thing for me to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, my my older two are a little aware, more aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and had we had more, it's hard though because they're too little to understand addiction, mm-hmm. but they're old enough to know that like something serious just happened, and my parents are gone, and now, so I did I did tell them. You know where I went and why I went, and the younger ones I didn't. It was more like mom's going to get a break. Mom's gonna go get like some help, and we always talk about God too, like to, um, God. You know, like it's like a Christian retreat kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not rehab for the celebrities too. Yeah. No? <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't. I I thought I was doing a really nice job of keeping everything pretty normal for the kids. Mm-hmm. Until, like, now they're more relaxed at home and things are less stressed and I'm not so short-tempered and everybody's happier. And mm-hmm. and it makes – it's nice, but it also makes me feel bad for all of that mm-hmm. stress that I'd created.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, like, so sweaty. I'm just – Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, like – that's so awesome, though.
0: Yeah. Like that you're, like, just a lot more <laughs> relaxed and doing – yeah. yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. It's and I'm doing therapy, and yeah. I did. I did a lot of the hand holding programs that Hazelden has, okay. and that helped too. A lot of, you know, there's there's part of it twelve that's twelve step, um, you know, work with a sponsor, go to meetings, and that can keep you sober. But because I have this whole like anxiety depression component, mm-hmm. that's where it's like the. The root of the problem is that, and mm-hmm. and my solution doesn't work well for me. My mm-hmm. solution is drugs and alcohol, and that you know always puts me in a, <laughs> in a bit of a bind. But yeah. so combating the problem at the root has been helpful and hard. Mm-hmm. You know, because I still have anxiety, but it has lessened mm-hmm. a lot. My meds are working, mm-hmm. and not drinking mm-hmm. and not taking Xanax really helps. So yeah. I'm not as stressed with the kids and. I'm just like utterly grateful that I don't know, my we're alive and our family is okay and I that's 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 really I mean and then talk about like the shame of that too. Like thinking like this is what I present on the outside and what's really going on Mm -hmm. and is that I mean essentially it was yeah, not not good. So it was hard too, I kind of just disappeared. And my kids were in different, a couple of them stayed in the cities to go to school and then the little ones went to my parents' house. So they got split up and it was fine though. They're, I mean, they're so resilient and they're really good kids and and I trust my family and um, that was great. And my so my girlfriends from church all knew and were really helpful and and are still Part of my life. And then when I came back, it's kind of pick and choose who I mentioned it to. People did notice I was gone for a while. And I, part of it is talking about it to keep myself accountable and to be like, this is, I mean, this is really who I am. I really struggle with this. And um, that's really what happened, you know? I can't deny the existence of that. And also having, like, knowing what a solution looks like and having accomplished it again um maybe being able to help somebody else because it's super embarrassing and humiliating to be a mom that has a problem and I did I felt that from my husband's family where they I felt and I don't know if this is true this is my own feelings but I felt like they expected my husband to crash and burn like he always does, like he always has, like that's kind of his M.O. and they didn't expect anything, but how dare you, you're a mother, like you have five kids and that was really unfair, Mm um, yeah, yeah, Hmm.
0: okay, so coming to the end of my questions, I, I think I only have one more question, or actually I'll ask two more, um, how did your, uh, how are your doctors for you? Like your, um, OBs or I don't know if you had midwives or who, how are your doctors in like, um, helping you out with, um, at least the anxiety and postpartum depression? Did you have like, were they like really like on top of it or like, what were like, did you have like questionnaires or what did that look like? I guess just medically.
1: I have, um, so I, I think there must, I'm flagged in my, medical file, that I always take those questionnaires. Like, every time I go to the doctor, I have to take those. Um, My OB knows about my addiction history and my postpartum, and she's always kind of been on top of me um, taking that. But she also has a lot... It's hard because uh, she really wants me to... She wanted me to get my tubes tied, like, every time I have a baby, and I just... (laughs) no, I can't do that. I don't believe in that. And I don't want to. And, um, my regular doctor, I, he's the guy who I would see and was talking about, um, like wanting to hurt myself, kind of like my, this is so bad. I don't know what to do. And he referred me out to a psychiatrist. Like he was prescribing me meds for a while and was like, I think you need more help. And someone who's like specializes in this and so I did get a psychiatrist, but he's also the doctor that prescribed me Xanax and he knew that I had a history of alcoholism, so I don't know why he thought that was a good idea, but but we are able to manipulate doctors if we need to. So yeah. anyway, so my psychiatrist now has me on a pretty specific um like medication and she is also aware of my history. Mm-hmm. Um and then I do see a therapist and that's tricky because I have seen like more therapists than I could even count and doing that intake too is always so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, and connecting with somebody like the last lady I, I was seeing her for maybe two months. I went every week and every time I got there, she was like fidgeting Mm -hmm. with her shirt. Like she Mm -hmm. kept, like her shirt was uncomfortable and it drove me nuts. And I would talk to her and she would amp up my anxiety Mm -hmm. and get irritated with me about the stupid things I was irritated about mm-hmm. when I was trying to go there to, like, yeah, have someone talk to me off a ledge instead of she's, like, right there with me being like, yeah, that's awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I've had my fair share of, like, icky therapists, but I did find somebody. I actually, I was looking for a therapist for my daughter to deal with the anxiety because I can already see it manifesting in her, and it was a really stressful year, mm-hmm. um, and the lady we started seeing, we would go together. And my daughter is, like, totally did a 180 and probably because her parents are stable now. Um, So I've started seeing her, and that's helpful.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm. Last question. So you can say whatever you want. Um, What would you want to tell moms who have had... uh, postpartum depression, anxiety, and, and addiction, like, what do you just want to tell them, like, invite, advice, encouragement, yeah, what, like, what do you want to say to, like, all the moms who, who will be listening to this?
1: Um, I guess, I guess I'd want to say, like, there's probably more women who are in the exact same situation doing the exact same thing, and caught because of, a the shame of it being a mom or like the inability to get help financially or you know circumstantially with kids and and that you're not unique your situation is not unique it is a classic medical problem that hundreds of thousands of women suffer from and i do too <laughs>
0: You have no idea what people are dealing with. Like Nancy in Stranger Things, Lauren has seen the upside down. She's lived there, but from the outside, you never know. You may not share Lauren's struggles with alcoholism and addiction, but there may be other things in your health history that maybe only you know about, and the same is true for people in your life. Maybe you need to check in with someone close to you and see how you can help them before things come crashing down. Or maybe you need to reach out for someone else's help or to God for his help. For Lauren, her postpartum depression and anxiety came to a head due to struggles with alcohol and addiction. For me... My depression reached its breaking point when I happened to contract appendicitis and had an emergency surgery and hospitalization when my son was four months old. During that traumatic time, as I was recovering from appendicitis and diagnosed with postpartum, I had another friend who was really there for me. Her name is Kara. She's also a neighbor girl. And when I told her about my diagnosis and the medication I was taking, that I was on a low dose of Zoloft, she told me, You know what? Me too. Then she leaned in close and said, And a lot more moms. Yet another awesome mom, who had also experienced postpartum. So I interviewed her. All of our kids were awake and playing, but surprisingly they didn't interrupt us too much and I think you'll agree the interview was worth it. She's great. To start off, I just asked Kara about her husband and kids.
2: My husband is my best friend. He is 30. Um, <laughs> he's very awesome. Yeah, and we love being married together. It's very cool. Uh, we have kids that are eight, six, four, and one. And they're awesome as well. We have three boys and a girl. I asked Kara,
0: when did things get harder after which kids?
2: I think the the difficulties came more with the first and the second because I I had more things I had to kind of let go of or understand about being a mom. I had to spend a lot more time with God, kind of pondering the meaning of it and what I should do, and what it meant for me, and what it meant for the world, and what it meant for my kids. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of soul searching in figuring out motherhood with the first and the second. The third and the fourth really had it good because I, I kind of knew what I was doing. I mean, not completely, <laughs> but I already had like, let go of my, all of my my personal time or even my personal possessions. and so everything was already ruined or wrecked so it didn't matter no i'm just kidding not everything was ruined but yeah like i don't know things had already been kind of kidified so to speak next
0: i asked kara whether she could describe her experience with postpartum depression i asked her whether she got counseling or medication and what was sort of her rock bottom
2: Uh, After I had my first son, it was very apparent to me (laughs) that something was kind of awry. Um, I didn't have a lot of sadness. I had more more anger and impatience and taking it out on my husband and children. And kind of myself too, where I was upset with myself that I was angry all the time. It was kind of a low grade resting anger and then whenever anything happened it kind of spiked and i didn't like who i was becoming (laughs) the wife the wife i was becoming and the mom i was becoming was no good uh so after my first that i went to the doctor and got uh some medication and that seemed to do the trick but i also had to learn how to take care of myself too but i made some good habits Like exercise and eating healthy and sleeping enough. um, Getting together with friends and having a balanced life. So, yeah, I would say I still still struggle with it on a daily basis, but God's been good in helping me to learn coping mechanisms for it.
0: Wow. Did you, um, so you were on, um you're on like just a little bit of medication, but did you do counseling as well? And I, how was that for
2: you? I did some counseling at first with, uh, after I had my second son. Cause I thought that things would kind of just like subside after I got used to motherhood. Uh, but I don't know, I found that it was just the way that I was, that I, that I am, and like certain capacities that I have and that I have to respect about myself. Like, I don't know that I needed the counseling. It was good to have it and good to have the experience of gaining more self-knowledge in order to become more holy. But I don't think I need it, like, on an ongoing basis, per se. Uh, Due to God's goodness and grace and learning to respect my, my limitations and make sure that the day doesn't get carried away so that I'm stuck in a place where I don't want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> um, so, uh, I was just... Um, what, what was, would you say then, like what caused you to like go into to the doctor to get, um, to get help to tell the doctor how you were just feeling like, just like not the mom you wanted to be or the person you wanted to be, like what was like the rock bottom, I guess?
2: The rock bottom, yes. Well... Thankfully, thanks be to God, I never really reached kind of rock bottom, I would say. Um, my husband said, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of like, no, it's my head. It's like, not a big deal. It'll pass, it'll pass. And then, thankfully, husband pushed me out the door. You know how
0: I mentioned that Kara helped me with appendicitis. Well, it's interesting to me how for Kara, she was adamant that it will pass, it will pass. And it took her husband kind of just speaking a simple truth. You need to go to the doctor. Similarly to me, it took me almost dying from appendicitis and my three-year-old telling me to go to the doctor for me to actually go. What is this about? Why do we resist? But I also wanted to know more about what Kara did besides counseling and medication. Because I know she does live a really beautiful, balanced life. And she just seems super healthy on all levels. So I asked Kara, what did she do for sort of virtue building?
2: I guess for virtue, I always make sure that I have fun doing something every day. Uh, this week, I'm I'm a little ashamed of my fun this week. It is Legos. <laughs> I have been building Legos this week. Um, but I also swim, and I really, really love to swim, so that's a good hobby. And I think it helps virtue because uh, it... It like restores my soul for like the hard moments mm-hmm. of the day. So I have like a little bit of happiness in the bank in case things, <laughs> in case things are difficult. Not that they always are, mm-hmm. but in case we're ready. Also, uh, I always kind of have an attitude of learning more about myself from like every situation that I'm in. So like if the kids are doing such and such a thing, how do I react? What is my tendency? What made me happy? What made me sad? Is there anything I could have done differently? Or what went really well? And I think it helps, it helps with humility too. I think humility is key to fighting depression as well because sensitivities can lead to a lot of negative thoughts In your head about yourself or about what other people might be thinking about you when they're probably actually not Uh, so guarding one's humility I think is very 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 important and self-knowledge is really good for that
0: yeah it seems like uh, you
2: just live a very examined life (laughs) yeah Yeah. maybe that's it yeah I live I live an examined life very good
0: as a final question I asked Kara What advice would she like to give moms, or how would she like to encourage them? She gave a really beautiful spiritual response from her perspective as a Catholic, and also said, if you think something's wrong, talk to a doctor.
2: I would say, uh, the Lord is your friend. (laughs) So is Our Lady, and Our Our Lady of Sorrows was good for me. Sometimes we look at the Blessed Virgin and say, well, you know, she looks really pretty in like her nice robe. Nobody has spit up on or peed or barfed on it, and she didn't even have to wash it today. I mean, come on, <laughs> um but I of sorrows uh she's she's sad, and it's okay to be sad with her. Give her your sadness, and she gives it to jesus and I would also say to go to the doctor if you feel like it might be a good idea even if you're not sure you can just talk to the doctor and you don't have to take their advice or the medication or whatever Um, but information is always good if you feel like you're in the rut. I loved how Lauren and Kara both have
0: such different stories and they're such different women but I thought maybe I was starting to see a pattern. For both of them They had to recognize what was the core issue, and they had to call out for help. The cool thing about all the moms I interview is that they've all gotten help. And it's cool that we live in a time when you can get help. So I think if you need time away, you should do what you need to do. If you just need someone to bring a meal over, maybe you should ask. And if you're not sure what you need or where you're at, or if you fit into this postpartum spectrum, well, then I invite you to listen to some even more diverse stories of women's experiences postpartum and even post-adoption. In any event, that's next time on Mental.